0: Hello, and welcome to the Deep South Dharma Podcast. I'm Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, your host for this episode. I have a few announcements to share with you, and then I want to let you hear a Dharma talk that I recorded when I was living and teaching in Nashville. It was the Sunday after I got back from the Women's March on Washington in 2017. The talk is on the Buddhist path factor called wise speech which seems to me to be an appropriate topic for the first episode of a podcast about Buddhism. We are genuinely excited for you to join us as we grow this community and will keep you posted on all its events and developments. When I say we, I refer to myself and Deep South Dharma co-facilitator Judy Seeley, or, as she is known in the Magnolia Grove Monastery community, Auntie Jaya. Some of you know her already as a member of Thich Nhat Hanh's Order of Inner Being, and I'm excited for the rest of you to get to know her. She'll show up here in future podcasts where we plan to upload some talks, some meditations, as well as conversations between ourselves about being Southern women in Buddhism, and of course, talks with others too. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, or if you just want to leave a comment or question, leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash deepsouthdharma. Please know that we may use your message on a future podcast episode. Another way you can participate with Deep South Dharma is to join us online for Dharma Contemplation on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. I'm there each week and Judy will join us as often as she can. Dharma Contemplation Online is is a chance to participate in a live group meditation, check in with each other, and then participate in a practice that I'll walk you through. My teacher, Venerable Panyawadi, introduced it to me. It's an adaptation of the Christian practice, Lectio Divina, in case any of you happen to be familiar with that. Let us know that you want the Zoom link by subscribing via our website, deepsouthdharma.org. The last announcement, before I let you delve into wise speech, is that December 5th through 8th of this year, I will be co-facilitating a retreat at Hartwood Refuge in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I've enjoyed leading several residential retreats and countless daytime retreats through the years, but this one is special to me. The topic has to do with creativity as practice, and my co-facilitator is my daughter Erin Ray, whom some of you may already know and love if you happen to be fans of Americana music. Erin is in fact a nominee for the 2019 Americana Music Association's Emerging Artist of the Year. She has taught on this topic with me before in a daytime retreat, and I'm very glad that we'll have a long weekend to get into it. Heartwood Refuge is an intentionally affordable, accessible and diverse retreat space, and it is beautiful and comfortable. Take a look at Heartwood and the details of our retreat at heartwoodrefuge.org. And that's it for announcements. Thanks for being here, and I hope you find the talk useful. I'm supposed to be recording these for her, and sometimes I get self-conscious about it and quit for a while. but so here's me getting over my selfishness and self-consciousness for you, Annie, um, so I can email these to her. Um, but very glad to see all of you. Um, so what's on my mind uh, to talk about this evening is um, are a couple of intersecting uh, branches of the Eightfold Path. Uh, wise speech and wise action. Um, And I think I want to talk a little bit about um, both sort of the um, sort of the dark side of that first, I think, Um, which is that there is a tendency um, when we talk about uh, wise speech, um, I'll just describe this, uh, the Buddha's words on this, Um, Are quite brief um, on these two, he says, and what monks is right speech? Abstinence from false speech, abstinence from malicious speech, abstinence from harsh speech, from idle chatter. This is called right speech or wise speech. And what monks is right action? Abstinence from destruction of life, from taking what is not given, from sexual misconduct. This is called wise action. And so when um and when we talk about the why's this why's that or right this right that it we have to be aware that um that this is not in terms of sort of dualistic right wrong it's more in fact the original word i'm told um has more of a flavor of uh music to it that it's a word um that has to do with being in harmony so that's why um, you know when I there's a retreat I have coming up in June called In Harmony with Reality and so this idea of that wise speech or wise action is in harmony with reality not only as in, in harmony with what's true uh, in the immediate sense but in harmony with what doesn't you know what's true about how things work and what does and does not cause suffering right? So, one of the things i've really noticed um you know, I was talking to some of the folks um, early on about uh, earlier about um, arriving uh, last week in d, d. c and uh, how exciting that was, and all of that uh, I had not been before, but one of the things that was really striking, and I know that my daughter and maybe lots of you uh, participated in the march that occurred in Nashville. Saturday. And what was really striking was that her experience of that was very, very parallel to my experience in Washington, which was that it felt so loving. Um, That there was um, just a sense of uh, excitement about people uh, being together to do things. I know even there was one corner I walked past um, where there were people that had opposing viewpoints on, on abortion, that you were speaking about this earlier, and, um, now I'm sure I was, you know, this was at one moment that I walked past, but there were people who were there marching for women who felt like abortion was harmful, that was their place, that, that's the place they were coming from, was that, that it, that it hurts women, and other people coming from a place of, um, you know women have the right to to choose what happens with their bodies, and so just that those could coexist side by side um, and and it, at least in the time that I walked past, which was not very fast, but it wasn't i wasn't there all day, uh, but it was a hefty crowd you know there just that that could coexist, and there wasn 't hate i didn't i didn't observe hatefulness when I was there um, and and I know that you know what, one of the things that my Teacher Panawati talked about when this busload of people we took from Hartwood Refuge um, in Hendersonville, North Carolina, um, it was very much about um, we're not here to march against anything, we're here to march for, you know, for safety for all people, for um, civil liberties, for you know, and so there was that sense of yeah, I could get behind that. You know, I can get behind that. And now, did I totally enjoy some of the hilarious posters I saw that would not count as wise speech? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um but um there was there was a lot of, you know but even I have to say, even in, in that setting, even that was real lighthearted. Um and and um, just what was more than anything, just the joy of people realizing that really not that much is, was asked of us that day to, except just be willing to show up. And that just in so many people individually sort of following that inner voice to show up, that it just had this amazing, um, you know, impact. Um, even if only on the state of mind of millions and millions of people that needed to see that we are not alone um, in our our, uh, good wishes for all people. And so that was really, really valuable. But one of the things that I've noted um, is that there can be, you know, one aspect of, of when, when the Buddha talks about idle chatter, he's referring to a couple of things. One is gossip, and one is uh, what, my <laughs> what my teacher refers to as animal talk, right? Where'd you eat last night? What'd you do? You know, and all that. And like, it just, what, you know, and, and, and or where'd you buy that shirt or whatever. And it's not that there's anything wrong, per se, with that. Um... But it's just that when we gather with other people, for the purpose of sangha, for the purpose of spiritual fellowship, for the purpose of um, helping to reduce suffering in the world, it's idle, it's wasteful. That's you know, and 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 there's a real temptation for all of myself included, for all of us to get into gossip and. Uh, hateful comments about people we don 't know, but we feel sort of allowed to make comments about them um, you know because of the way they show up on television or they become familiar to us it becomes um, it becomes sort of a false sense of intimacy with others to um, i mean which is always true of gossip right even even to some degree positive gossip you know if you and I are having dinner, and we spend most of that dinner talking about how wonderful somebody else is, there's this aspect of avoiding the relationship that's happening with us right now, and so, and certainly there can be a sense of false intimacy that develops around negative gossip, for sure. But the thing that concerns me the most about um, how, how (laughs) and believe me, I know, they make it easy. They make it easy. But um, for folks who, who, you know, we may feel are misguided or unkind or even evil in their motives, the problem with um, using our energy that way is that it diverts, it vents that energy into thin air. And it gives us the sense of, uh, of sort of some sort of, Righteousness, to use a, you know, the best word I can think of at the moment, without actually using that energy to take appropriate action. Um, so you know, I mean, easy for me to say, right? Last weekend I took probably the first real action I've taken on any of this in my whole life, right? To go join a, a march, but um, and of course we have our smaller ways we do things, but but just. This recognition that venting anger, whether it's with friends over dinner or on Facebook or whatever, it is—it's—it's it's, that energy is just being splattered out sideways, instead of okay, I feel outrage, and, it, and this feels—it feels like appropriate concern and anger. So, what do I want to do with that? Um, and you know. One of the things that we hear, and I'm not knowledgeable about this aspect of stuff, one of the things we're hearing a lot lately is, don't waste your time with those email things, make phone calls. You know, make four a day, make whatever. Um, and, you know, so if that's, if that's a way that speaks to you, that may be something that would take about the same amount of time um, as chasing down a bunch of comments on Facebook. I don't know. Um, or of watching um, some interview just for the purpose of being outraged, (laughs) you know? Um, We have to really guard the state of our minds. Um, You know, making fun of someone's tiny hands is no different than him making fun of a handicapped reporter it's not different. Now, the the kind of thing that is not gossip, that is absolutely appropriate, is any time that people need to compare notes on what are our leaders actually doing. Not personal remarks, not, um, there's a, now, totally unrelated to, to, um, to uh, social justice type things, there's just a little thin book by a Catherine somebody, but just a little thin book called Boundaries. Now, there's more than one with that title, but this is just a little thin book, Boundaries, where you end and I begin. And one of the things that sorts out is gossiping at work about your coworker is is an example of poor boundaries. You and your coworker comparing notes on your possibly harassing boss is appropriate. So when we, so this is where we look at you know when we need to investigate what are um, others doing it is it's helpful to compare notes but typically we are so intimidated to deal with people with more power that we'll vent our anger by gossiping with across does that make sense, power-wise? We will gossip or be unkind in some way toward people we're not intimidated to be unkind to, instead of standing up to people that might be more intimidating. You know? I have to say, I think one of the things that had everyone so elated, I know for myself and a few other people I talked to anyway, was, was the fact that there was no harm. Um, I didn't I have to say, and this is just may you know, maybe it's just a um, statement on on how my how, how dark my own mind can go, but I did not trust that it was beyond possibility for um some for anyone to hurt us while we were up there and blame terrorists for it. Um, and and yet I felt like it was important to go and the fact that there was no harm and no arrests and all of that. It, I think that added to the elation at the end. It was like, okay, this was a successful event in that a lot of people came and, and were supportive of others and, and of themselves, um, but largely of others. And, um, and there was no harm. Um, so that, that felt really huge and um, I think encouraging but the you know one of the things that uh, one of my teachers Panya talks about a lot is that for that year for years he said he spent 40 before he was a Taoist priest before he became a Theravadan monk you know he spent 40 years um, in the security business and he said the problem is it doesn't work you know, violence on any level doesn't work um, and so just there are a couple of things just to share that, um, that the Buddha had to say um, and some of these we've heard maybe a lot and then maybe some of these we haven't but one is uh, maybe the more common says hatred does not cease by hatred but only by love, this is the eternal law Right. It has been really striking to me some of the continued calls to action in this whole social justice movement lately. More than one place I've seen people say sort of like speak from a place of this is about love. We have and um that's been really um inspiring to me. This other Speak or act with an impure mind and trouble will follow you. In fact, the rest of that quote is trouble will follow you the way, you know, the cart follows the ox (laughs) kind of thing. It just comes right along. Now impure, in, in the West, sort of we have kind of this moralistic um, thing about what impure means. Usually, in our minds, it usually has something to do with sex or you know, but in, in Buddhism, when, they, when we read these translations and they're talking about impurities in the mind, they're talking about greed, hatred, delusion, um, the root of all of those being ignorance. So when we're talking about purifying the mind, it is purifying the mind of ignorance. And ignorance is not a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is ignorance. Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about how ignorance actually it can be like this force in the mind or in the collective consciousness that can take a great many facts and sort of twist them um, to, to serve greed or hatred or delusion one might say, alternative facts. But, you know, just ignorance is not not knowing. Ignorance is ignoring. Ignoring some aspect of what's real or ignoring some aspect of the truth. And so when we're functioning in any moment with an impure mind, you know, and this can be very simple things. You know, I, you know, this, the urge to shoot back an email right, to lose patience and shoot back an email, um, that, if I am ignoring for the moment that that's harmful, right, if I'm ignoring for the moment, simply that I might be embarrassed five minutes after I send it, right, if I ignore, I'm functioning with an impure mind and trouble will follow, even if the only trouble is I just kind of don't feel great about myself after I do that, you know, um, so it was funny, I had a moment this week where someone, <laughs> someone, you know, sent one email, I rendered a decision based on that. Another one came, oh no, 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 I don't want you to mistake and totally changed what they were saying. And I felt so angry and, um, and I was, happened to be with two other people that are just sort of peripherally involved and I started to send a response saying, well, which is, it? at which time are you, you know, basically, which time are you lying? Although I would have said it a little more skillfully than that. <laughs> but I was really activated, and I said, you know what, I am not going to answer, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm too activated. And they said, oh, please stay activated. Please. You know, we want, and, and so, and I, and I said, you guys are not being my friends right now. Now, we were all laughing, but but that was a serious, that was actually a serious statement, Right. If you're encouraging me to be activated and say something unkind so that you can vicariously, because they get mad at this person also, right? For, for the dishonesty that occurs. So it's like they want somebody else to do that dirty work, right? And especially if it's me because everybody thinks I'm so calm all the time, right? So, um, but they're like, oh, please stay activated. It would be so entertaining. Um, and in that instance, I'm happy to say I did not um, and so far, um, because, and I, and I actually, I did address it in a different way, and I still need to say something to that person, but right now, every time it comes to mind, I get activated. And I am not, you know, I, I have learned that if I will wait till I can think about a subject and still be calm, then I'm, then I'm ready to respond. Um, and And in this case, see, this is not you know, it's not a matter of life and death. This is, you know, this is something where it's perfectly okay for me to just respond later. Um, I love this quote, and this is the last quote from the Buddha that I wanted to share. He said, knowing, or at least he's quoted as saying, um, Shit, still there. knowing that the other person is angry, one who remains mindful and calm acts for his own best interest and for the other's interest too. Um, we, you know, I think about um, people um, you know, people trying to, to free the detainees in the airport yesterday, right? I mean, it's astonishing that that people could be there and feel so strongly but no windows were broken no i mean and and that's what we need it's not that the dharma is saying we shouldn't have strong feelings or that that um... or that there's anything wrong with being uh... absolutely determined um, to um, to prevent harm where we can but it's that we don't prevent harm by causing harm Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, out of this little book called True Love, says, there are pacifists who can write protest letters of great condemnation, but who are incapable of writing a love letter. You have to write in such a way that the other person is receptive toward reading. You have to speak in such a way that the other person is receptive toward listening. If you do not, it is not worth the trouble to write or to speak. To write in such a way is to practice meditation. And I am going to share this little story he writes because it's not a long one, but it's powerful. And I I should also say um, people that have been coming here a while already know this about me. But I'll just say for the folks that are here for the first time this evening that um, when I am, I am very much in that realm of um, functioning from a place of teaching what I need to learn. So, so, when I get kind of interested in a subject, it's because I'm grappling with, okay, how do I do this in this situation, both personal you know, or broader. So, um, so, I want to be, be clear about that. Um, so, anyway, Thich Nhat Hanh says, I remember a young American who came to us to practice. One day, he was asked to write a letter to his mother, which was easy for him. On the other hand, it was impossible for him to write a letter to his father. His father had died, but he still suffered every time he thought of him. Just the idea of picking up a pen to write to his father already caused him a great deal of suffering. I proposed the following practice to him. For one week, he practiced mindful breathing, saying to himself, breathing in, I see myself as a child of five. When one is a little boy of five, one is very fragile and vulnerable. As he was breathing in, he saw himself in his own compassion. During the second week, he meditated on his father. Breathing in, I see my dad as a little child of five. Breathing out, I smile at the little boy who was my dad. For a whole week, the young American practiced very faithfully and very enthusiastically. He put a photo of his father on the table and every time he walked into the room and looked at it, he practiced mindful breathing. He had never imagined that his father could have been a child of five. Suddenly, the young man acknowledged the presence of his father as a little boy. It was the first time that he realized that his father had suffered as a little boy, and suddenly he felt compassion. Finally, one evening, he found it possible to write a first letter to his father. That transformed him completely, and now he has peace in his heart. Meditation is the practice of looking deeply into the nature of your suffering and your joy. Through the energy of mindfulness, through concentration, looking deeply into the nature of our suffering makes it possible for us to see the deep causes of that suffering. If you can keep mindfulness and concentration alive, then looking deeply will reveal to you the true nature of your pain. And freedom will arise as a result of your sustaining a deep vision into the nature of your pain. Solidity, freedom, calm, and joy are the fruits of meditation. So, you know, all of these people, no matter what your opinion on any subject, all of these people that we may find easy to um, ridicule or feel furious with were also once five-year-old children. And so, keeping that in mind as we decide how do how do we address this, right? it doesn't mean that we let somebody with a five-year-old mentality do whatever they want, but it means that that when we when when we are faced with somebody who is operating from that mindset, that we want to um, we want to have the kind of um, firmness and boundaries. Um, And determination but also the gentleness and um, and that it's as important to do that as much for ourselves as for anyone else and so if there's changes that we're trying to make in ourselves ways that we're wanting to be different or ways that you know we're wanting to remember to not send that email before we think about it or whatever knowing that Having that gentle attitude toward ourselves also is the most effective way um, to bring about the change and and you know and in that light I should also mention that gossip about ourselves is also not in line with Dharma right harsh speech toward ourselves mentally or about ourselves to others is also not in line with Dharma so um, there is no difference or separation between us and others that somehow makes it okay to mistreat ourselves either. And so with that, I want to um, stop there, and, um, and I'll turn this off so that um, you don't have to worry about...